Black. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the latest episode of Over the Bridge. It's Quirky. We joined here with the rest of the guys. We have Bilal. Hey, hey, hey. We have Patrick. What's good, everyone? And we have Tom. What's good? Hello. Um, in this episode, we're going to be discussing gentrification. So, obviously, this is a topic that is very contentious. There's um, in the media, hmm. it's usually depicted, depicted as quite negative, but um, I think on an individual basis, we will have our own relationship with the idea of gentrification, whether it's positive, whether it's negative but we're kind of more impartial on the fence so um yeah maybe just kick off like what are our general kind of views on gentrification open to the crowd, yeah. <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> um yeah so we were talking just before the podcast right because i think even in this room um we've, we've all got a different aspect on it whether or not it's a positive thing whether or not it's a negative thing i I used to, when I was younger, and I'm going to throw this up, when I was younger and I didn't really understand what gentrification was, I used to think it was like this amazing thing. And I thought, wow, that's so good. It's people doing up an area. Wasn't that five minutes ago, Bill? I you. Yeah, I was younger then. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, when I was like actually in school learning about what gentrification was. You learned about gentrification in school? Yeah, year, year nine on. geography. In human geography, they taught us about gentrification. I never learned about gentrification. And their example, their example was Islington. And I'd actually mm. never been to Islington before. So I just imagined it as being like this paradise of a place which was like looking better. But then then we started looking at the problems of gentrification. One of the ones that I remember my teacher saying was essentially the poor people get moved out of the area. Now, my year nine brain didn't really understand how that was possible. Because I was like, well, if they're just doing an area up. Because I just imagined it being literally an army of people with paintbrushes Painting an area, <laughs> painting an area, making it nice. Just like community regeneration. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I thought it was really good. Um, as I've grown up, I've become more conflicted about it and what my views are on it. Um, but I would say that I've come back to a point of being that I do think that it can be a positive thing. I'll mm. get into that, but what does mm. everyone else think? Yeah, I'd agree, man. I think gentrification is a weird one for me because like in ways I've kind of benefited from it on a personal level, or at least my family has. Um, so on the estate that we grew up on, we heard that, I want to say, what year was this? Maybe 06. Um, there was a lot of talk of the area being regenerated. So this is like the Southwark area. In particular, there's a big gen- regeneration going on in Elephant and Castle. Um, and my estate, there's loads of talks about it being knocked down. So a lot of these council estates that were built in like the kind of post World War II generation to house loads of people that come in um, had a lot of issues infrastructure wise and things with like the heating and the boiling Mm. and stuff going down all the time Mm. and their idea was that rather than just having to constantly spend loads of money on trying to fix these issues it's better just kind of knock it down and start from scratch Mm. and funny thing is I guess it's a similar story that's happening on council estates all over London <clears throat> and probably the same thing in other parts of Europe and countries worldwide. But um, I was actually really quite happy about the idea of it initially thinking, okay, cool. Growing up, you, I wasn't really comfortable even having friends coming around. I was a bit ashamed of where I lived and where I grew up. So the idea that it's going to be done up, you know, as a, as a young kid, mm-hmm. 13, 12, whatever, sounded like really cool. Um, not knowing that later on, um, <laughs> kind of, I guess, what, 10, 12 years down the line, whatever you, um, a lot of the people that had even had a chance of like owning a house um, on the estate were offered at really poor 
mm. deals like less than market value to for the council to take them over again. Yeah. And what is going to then replace them is obviously going to be worth upwards of 400,000, 500,000 pounds. Um, so seeing how people are essentially being swindled, um, <laughs> you can obviously see that there's a clear um, negative impact of, um, I guess, the need for um, more wealthy people to want to live in areas of London that are a little bit outside. I mean, zone two areas, so very accessible into the city, but still a little bit um, outside of the main um, inner city. So um, my parents were lucky enough to benefit from the, um, what's the Margaret Thatcher thing? The kind of buy right to, to buy, right to right buy to scheme, buy. right? So mm. we, um, and this is quite late, they'd been in the country for upwards of 15 years before they actually mm -hmm. had the idea of even buying a property. Mm. And they managed to buy a property through kind of like savings and borrowed money from family members and what have you um, for like a really good price. Like I think it's a three bedroom flat um, in zone two. I think it was like, they managed to get for like 90K, right? Oh, um, and when we eventually sold it, when we moved, uh, moved house and eventually sold it, maybe I want to say five years down the line, five, six years down the line, it was worth over 200, like 250. So it was a nice yes, flip yeah, in it. It nice. was a very nice yes. flip. Yeah. But I acknowledge that most people that grew up in the estate didn't have the opportunity to like own their own house, like mm. own, their, own their flat. So um, most people that are essentially got moved out and they wouldn't have seen any tangible kind of financial benefit from the the estate being knocked down and at the moment it's still even it's still like it's still there it hasn't been knocked down completely and i've been there recently and every time i come back it's weird so that's i guess the benefit side of it but the negatives that i see um for me personally is more so the kind of loss of memories whenever i go back yeah and seeing how okay they've just built like they've got done up a whole new kind of like bmx track on burgess park that wasn't there when I was young and I thought, oh, if I was young, when I was young back then, that would have been really, a really nice thing to have. Mm -hmm. um, they got these new flats that are right next to your estate, but essentially they, it's, it's such a juxtaposition mm. in how they're positioned because you have like a concierge in one of these ones. It's like little artificial waterfalls. It's like, it's crazy when I w went back and I was like, bro, so we're over here, these, how are these people are living? But then, over on the estate is a completely different kind of yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And in time, when the estate eventually does get knocked down, I'm just wondering where these people are going to turn up. They're going to get pushed further and further away. Mm. Um, so mm. yeah, I see, I see, I see both the positives. I see the negatives. Um, so I'm a bit conflicted because naturally you want people to be in areas where they feel comfortable. The um, there's amenities that are available to them that you know people are kind of happy to grow up in this area mm. but at the same time is it the people that have been living there for the last i don't know 10 15 20 years that are going to be the real beneficiaries of it or not yeah yeah and i think that's the the key issue for me or one of the key issues for me mm -hmm. yeah um yeah for me i mean i, I guess I, I come to this 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 discussion from a slightly different angle because um i sort of moved out of ends quite young at like nine years old so i grew up in stratford like tom um back before stratford anybody even knew anything about stratford um back before it was even a place to, to claim to be from um and then 
me and my family, we moved a bit further out to um, Chinkford on the edge of East London, which is in my school. Um, so yeah, uh, my sort of entry into this, this discussion is slightly different, but that's not to say, that's not to say that I don't really have a position on it. I have quite a strong position on it. Um, so being originally from Stratford, my parents had have, have continued to have a, a business in Stratford. Um, they have like a Caribbean food outlet in Stratford, um, Caribbean scene. Um, so bang, bang. yeah, bang, 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 Caribbean scene. Um, <laughs> little plug. Um, but yeah, um, I've always had a connection to the area and I've seen obviously how it's changed. Like, um, and I remember when, cause a lot of people don't realize like Stratford was like on the regeneration agenda for like a, a long time before the Olympics came around. It was like, mm. I remember, so 2001, um, they started to convert the old building that kind of houses um, the original Stratford shopping center on the on the ground floor. So before this, this building was like, um, I think they were like council office buildings. Um, and then they started converting them into um, like uh, luxury in inverted commas flats. Oh, um, yeah. So that was way back in 2001. And back then, so before this, before my parents opened a restaurant in, cause they opened, they started Caribbean scene in about 2006. So before that, my, um, my dad actually started investing in property in that area. Um, but yeah, so just the point is, is that, yeah, I understand like, how Stratford has changed and equally like where my, like where I grew up, like in terms of where my grand, my, my grandparents live. So my grandma is from Leighton and I spent a lot of time in Walthamstow growing up. Um, and my other, my late grandma, um, she's from, well, she used to live in Edmonton. So I've sort of, I have a connection to these areas, even though I spent most of my childhood, like in Chingford or a lot of my childhood in Chingford. Anyway, my issue with um, gentrification is, that it is, I think what both Quaker and Bilal were talking about before, this kind of, um, th the things that they like about gentrification is the re regeneration side of it. And I would say that if gentrification was purely about regenerating an area, then I'd be all for gentrification. But unfortunately it's not like that at all. Um, it's regenerated, but at the end of the day, who is it regenerated for? Mm. Um, and what you said was very poignant about the BMX part, because it's like, yeah, when you were growing up, you, you know, you, you would have loved to have something like that growing up. Um, but that was something that was, for whatever reason, was withheld from you. Um, but isn't it funny now how that we're, now that, you know, all these areas um, are attracting uh, middle-class people, primarily, I'll come to the sort of the, the racial aspect to it, of it a little bit later as well, because, um, mm. you know, m me, myself, I think, the four of us as well, like some people would argue or could argue that we are gentrifiers ourselves if we go into an area that's, you know, up and coming and, you know, we're young people and trying to find somewhere to live. Technically speaking, we could be considered gentrifiers because, but I, I kind of disagree with that point. And I'll come, yeah, I do, but right. I'll come to that in a minute. I'll come to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, the kind of gentrification that we see, not just in London, but like almost anywhere you go in the world, mm -hmm. Um, it's not just about regenerating an area and having people uh, with more capital move in. It's about changing the cultural landscape of that area. So the people that made that area interesting in the first place or edgy in the first place, mm -hmm. um, people that 
aren't really part of that culture or don't really understand that culture, that culture is alien to them. They will move in kind of because it's like this kind of exotic thing. Like, oh, like, you know, in my area, they have like, you know, West Indian shops and they have like a jerk chicken place. Oh, and fried chicken. Whoa. Like <laughs> they move in for this kind of clout because I'm in an area where, you know, people still selling drugs on the corner and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, cool. You've moved into this area. But the thing is the way that you interact with what's going on around you is not in a way that is, you're not, you're not participating in it. You move in and you say, oh, you know, have this, that and whatever going on in the area, but you will create your own, your own version of, or not even your own version, but you almost like, it's almost like recolonizing the area. And I always say like the first, the first sign of gentrification is like one of those, um, you know, those like sourdough, the new thing now is sourdough, <laughs> sourdough bakeries, but before it was like coffee shops and things like that. Yeah. But as soon as you see one of them things, you think, okay. Or a Foxton's or, or a Franco like Manco. Yeah, yeah, but Man. do you know what I mean? There's yeah. the, there are these kind of hallmarks of gentrification yeah. that we see. And why does it stand out to us? Because where it doesn't belong to the culture yeah, of the area. That's what I mean. What we've seen before. But when you say the culture of an area, right? Mm -hmm. Like realistically, mm -hmm. how long has that been the culture of that area? Mm. Like well, the thing when is, you're talking it, about these areas yeah. and you're talking about, I'm assuming you're talking about like Brixton and Hackney and mm -hmm. some places. Not in Hill. Not in Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Like how long? East London, most of East London. Yeah, like, East London. But my point is these areas, right? These areas made something of themselves without you know this kind of regeneration that we're talking about it made these people made something of their area without the assistance of you know like these um investment like these um companies that are investing in property and whatever else they made something out of very little if we're being frank like nobody wanted to live in flipping stratford before but mm -hmm. the, the mm. people in that area made something of right, it I nobody wanted to remember like even in mm. within living memory, like Brixton, people people would talk about Brixton like you know never go to yeah. Brixton. But yeah. the point is mm. Peckham as well, Notting Hill. Like our family members, our ancestors, whatever, they made something out of these areas, even though nobody wanted wanted to have anything to do with I, them. I was reading something earlier, um, talking about prohibited areas, and there was a um, I was reading a paper today saying there was a point in time when DHL, the um, postal company. Uh, we're not going to deliver any mail I saw to this as Canning well. Towns. I mean, it's for a different reason. Yeah, Canning yeah. Town and Custom House, but they were still going to at the same time. Iraq. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But it was a, it was basically deemed to be like such an unsafe place mm. um, that they said, no, we can't. We're not allowed to deliver here. Yet DHL were the first postal, first external or international postal company to go into Iraq after the fall of Saddam Hussein. <laughs> Even though anyone who went to Iraq was, they said, we can't I'm guarantee baffled. personal safety. Yeah. But we're not going to deliver to E16, Canning Town Custom House. Mm. Um, I, you know, I think gentrification has always conflicted me because I think as as Kweko, I think as you said that if you're a, a homeowner, my mum is she bought a flat at a good price, it benefits you because you, you just carry on, the, there's capital appreciation on an asset you already own. In other words, you own a house and the price keeps going up and up and up because you're carrying on the wave, the wave mm. behind you of, yeah. of change and regeneration. Um, when I, it's like, but on the other hand, there is this kind of, you can see the changing landscape, but I have like a million and one thoughts about gentrification. So I'm going to just get a, a few of them. And if they're in the wrong order, it doesn't matter. But mm. yeah, so point number one is obviously there's the capital appreciation point. Number two, there's a the changing culture. But number mm. three that I always think is a, a, a point is that everyone who wants to come 
Uh, everyone who probably studies in the UK or even studies in Europe internationally and who wants to go to the UK wants to go to London. They want to find somewhere to live. I haven't heard of someone work and say, oh, or a lot of the time I haven't heard someone say, oh, I want to study and then go live in Manchester or Coventry or wherever. It happens, but generally I want to live in London. So we have this massive um, exodus of people into London from the UK, from Europe and from the wider kind of the world in general. So mm-hmm. everybody's squeezing into London. Yeah. And so what happens is that when people come in, especially if they're kind of young and they don't have as much disposable income, they want to go to slightly cheaper locations. The only, for a lot of the, t- a lot of the time, the places that are cheapest in terms of renting or even buying are the places that, are, that, are, that have been perceived to be run down. Um, and that's and that is factored into the the prices of rents and and factored into house prices. So people come and move into the Hackneys, Brixton, Stratford as well because there was a point in time ten years ago where they were ridiculously cheap in comparison to say like Southwest London. And I'm not talking mm. like Brixton, Southwest. Yeah, I'm talking Partney, sort of Fulham, Partney, Batsy, Fulham, Batsy, Twickenham, Batsy, yeah, that yeah. Battersea, that kind of area. That that is always that's always been expensive. Even there was a point in time where that was cheap, but that's always yeah, been yeah. relatively expensive. So it's kind of people finding. Um, financial opportunities where they can come and live in London, but it's happened in such a rapid change or rapid rate, I beg your pardon, where now all of a sudden places like Stratford, which is where I'm born and raised in, or even go further down like a Barking or even Croydon. And the interesting thing is that what Mm. what I see, it almost (laughs) seems to, and another point is that the move of gentrification seems to happen in concentric circles. What I mean by that is there'll be parts of zone one like maybe kind of like Whitechapel, Allgate East that have sort of been run down, um, but it's kind of people now move in there. Then it kind of spreads out to maybe like a zone two kind of area. By the way, Stratford used to be zone three, but because of a lot of people that live there, um, it's now become zone two slash three. Now, as Koiku can attest to, this thing has spread out in terms of gentrification going out all the way to Croydon, which yeah. to me isn't even in London. Do you know what I mean? It is, but you know what I mean. It's not oh, even, man, I'm you not know. Offended, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So that's the, it's happening in concentric circles. Now, there are still some like strongholds that have not been gentrified as yet. And two places that come to mind would probably be somewhere like maybe a Deptford slash Catford maybe, or Tottenham, those places are still that's kind of- yeah, That's being yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So, both so, of those places so are they're, like they're in the process. Strong, but, the and they're, they're yeah. in the process, you can see it's in concentric circles and the same yeah. place as Barking, which is mm. like zone four, mm. and it's happening and happening and, ha- and it's getting wider. And so it's just like, and a, a problem is that a lot of people are being priced out and it's not, because people are, are they can't go into the core, they have to go to the peripheries of London. Mm. The mm. people who were originally in London, living in the Stratford, Barking, wherever, where are they going? They have to go up to Luton or go yep. up to a completely different But like, yep. is that happening that. though? Like, yes. That is that's that's definitely up. happening. Yeah. But who? I've ne- I'm sorry. I'll give you like, a story. So, so, the, Olymp- the, Olymp- so um, the Olympics, when the Olympics came in 2012, mm. um, uh, there were a bunch of flats in Stratford. There are a few that are still there, um, but the council had a, I can't remember what the, so there's an order, uh, there's a purchase, compulsory purchase order, I think that's what yeah. it's called, yeah. where the council can say, right, we're taking it off your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's easy if you rent from, then if, if you buy, it's a bit, there's a bit bit more wahala, but if you, if, you, if you rent the property, the council can say, we're taking it off your hands. And a lot of the people who lived in these flats in Stratford have either been moved out to kind of like Essex, like a Raynham area or something, or some of them have been moved out all the way as far out as like Luton. So, mm. and these are family with kids and they've had to move out. So that's kind of one of my problems. Uh, the last point I wanted to make before I, I shut up is, and and I guess give it back to you guys is, the, the interesting thing about gentrification, gentrification that people often um, bring up is that 
people tend to move in spaces that didn't exist before. An example is the gentrification that happened around the time of the Olympics, i.e. building flats being built in the Olympic Park mm. and being set up there. Wasteland. And mm. basically that was complete wasteland. That was mm. like, that was called Fridge Mountain. That was where yeah. everyone would dispose of massive fridges mm. from all over Europe. Yeah, they just dump it in Stratford and mm. it's completely changed. It was so this like kind chemically, of, yeah. it was like toxic as well, yeah. wasn't it, the land? So it was a bit of nuclear kind of a cleanup exercise. Mm. And the only people who went through that was if you had to drive between Hackney, between um, like say um, Hackney, Wick and Stratford, you could sort of drive through there. There were a few industrial parks. But now it's kind of just a, a, a completely changed area. Still, you know, like we're talking a, a two bed flat there is, we're talking like mm. low fives or six mm. in terms of 100,000. So it's, for a lot of people, very expensive yeah. to purchase. But the fact is that sometimes gentrification has taken up empty spaces, I think. That's true. I'm just going to leave it there. I, I think the, the Stratford example, like, because um, I, I hadn't quite finished what I was saying about my position on, on gentrification because it sounded quite negative and I hadn't, it's, Really, my position is quite balanced. But um, just taking Stratford as an example, I genuinely think that the regeneration of Stratford is one of like the best regeneration projects that you're you're likely to see. Like, like you said, like that area was just like a toxic wasteland, and now it's become. But I don't almost, think Stratford has regenerated. Yeah. I think only one part. Well, no, tiny that's, but I'm, yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking about the regeneration that of that yeah, toxic yeah, land yeah, is yeah, one yeah, of the, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I was saying with so my position on gentrification is this: it's I, th I, I think that regeneration is obviously a positive thing. I think providing fresh amenities, facilities for people that live in the area is a positive thing. And even having people come in from external, people external to the area coming in, I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. What I have a problem with is the way that gentrific gentrification takes place. And I'll give you an example just to kind of make it kind of like a clear analogy of what I'm talking about. So Walthamstow, right? When I first moved back from Brazil to um, the UK, um, I moved in with my grandmother and she lives in Leighton Baker's Arms and Walthamstow- Oh, like Hoe Street kind of said. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like not too, like just down the road from Walthamstow Central. So that like growing up, like every Saturday I was in Walthamstow Market with my grandma and my mama used to hate it. But anyway, I know that area like the back of my hand. That's like the place that I almost got rolled when I was little, you know, like there's memories yeah, there. Memories to me, Do you yeah. know what I mean? So. I'm coming back now to East London and I'm seeing Walthamstow and I'm thinking Walthamstow Central, like obviously they built the new um, village. Not, not Walthamstow Village, I'm talking about Walthamstow yes. Central. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah the, was Walthams that, but, is it, has it always been called Walthamstow? No, nah, nah, but that's- This is a new thing. Wait, yeah, where? Like, no, Walthamstow no, Village has always been there. It's no, always been bougie. It's always been called Walthamstow yeah. Village. No, no, I'm talking no. about Walthamstow Village. That's something else. I'm no, but there is an area in Walthamstow called Walthamstow Village, okay. and it's always it's always been bougie. Oh, I feel the only set of flats that was set up. No, yeah, Walthamstow Village is always it's, it's, it's always been like kind of bougie. Something. It's always been like this kind of weird like. Anyway, I, I don't want to get um, sidetracked. So anyway, in Walthamstow Central, like Walthamstow Market, in the middle of Walthamstow, you have like the new sort of um, mi um, mixed purpose building with the cinema. There's flats on top, and then you got uh, Nando's, Total Bay and Pizza Express. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then across the road, you have these old, again, old council buildings. I think technically they are still council buildings, but in the, there's like a parade at the bottom of them. And in there you have like a, a cycling, like a, a bicycle shop, mm. like a hipster uh, bicycle shop, a sourdough bakery and cafe. 
mm-hmm. um, and some other kind of like boutique places. So I moved back now to Walthamstow and this is when like I, I didn't have a job and I was looking for a job and I just needed something to, to keep me ticking over, like just a bit of money to keep me ticking over while I was looking for a job. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, like Saldo Bakery, like, you know, sign a gentrification, but maybe this is, you know, an opportunity to, um, Make uh, for, yeah, an opportunity for employment. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> hey, sorry. So I walk in. Um, no, I, I I go there for a few like a, co- a couple visits. You know, have my you know my my coffee or tea or whatever, herbal tea and like a bit of salad, whatever it is they're eating there. Like some compote. They don't call it jam. They call it compote. Like kind it? of place. It was all right. Like tasty yeah, it was, it was good. Tasty, I, it was expensive. <laughs> it was expensive, yeah. but it's okay anyway. How much so do I, you pay for it? I can't remember. This was like a year and a half ago. Okay. So I, like it was expensive. Anyway, um, I talked to uh, the waiter who doesn't speak English very well, um, like some Italian guy. And I say, oh, like, are there any job opportunities? He's like, yeah, go speak to the manager at the front. And it till, so I go speak to him. And it's this like um, English guy, like, mm. and like, you can tell this guy is not really from Walthamstow. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Someone that we probably more likely to see in Cambridge. Anyway, so I said to the guy, oh, look, I'm looking for a job, you know. Um, I speak a couple of languages. I'm from originally from the area. Mm. He was like, oh, yeah, no, well, can you make a latte? And I was like, well, yeah. Like, I, I used to work in my parents' restaurant and we used to have, like, we used to make coffees all the time. He's like, yeah, but can you, like, basically, you need to know how to make a really good latte. I was like, look, man, like, I'm a bright guy. I can, I reckon if you gave me an afternoon, I'll be able to learn it. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't think so. Like, this is, this is what we're aiming for. And he showed me something. Oh. I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, so how can I learn how to do this? Like I was being very persistent to the point where I was like, let's see where this goes because yeah. I want to see what this, this gentrification thing is really about. So I say to him, okay, cool. So what do I have to do to get a job here? Cause mm. I'm, I'm really interested in getting a job. And he's mm. like, well, um, you have to do a course, um, with, um, this, like, it's like this coffee company. I think it's called, um, like Clemson's or something. Anyway, they're oh, yeah. they're based in Hackney, right? And they make coffee beans for these kind of like hipstery um, coffee shops, and they run courses for baristas, right? Um, so I go I go to them. Okay, cool. So if I go to one of these courses, like yeah, it's a weekend course. Mm. You know, you do that, and then you know when you come back, you have the skills, and then you can you know apply for the job. I was like, okay, give me the details for this um this this school then. So I call them up. I go, okay, like I'm interested in doing one of your weekend courses. How much is it to do a weekend course? They were like 400 pounds. Eh? 400 no, pounds. No, no, no. I, see where you're no. going right, so I see where you're going with this. Th- this. I was so mad. To learn how to make coffee. Listen, anyway, I was so Jeez. mad. So I was thinking, this is not right. This is really not right. And bear in mind, the, the, when I used to go into this shop, the only people that I would see in this shop are like, you know, like the kind of like, kind of like yummy mummy, like white lady, like <laughs> they're just there with their their kid and like, you know, they're talking about yoga and stuff like that. that. Like yeah. I'm not seeing people that I would normally see in Walthamstow, right? So I'm thinking to myself, and I was vexed. I was getting ready to tweet Stella, Stella Creasy because she's the MP for the oh, area. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was, because my, my point is, is this, right? There's nothing wrong with having a new coffee shop in the area. There's nothing wrong mm. with that. Is there's even nothing wrong with having, you know, a bunch of, you know, white middle-class people come into the area, whatever, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. What I have an issue with is this, right? You have this brand spanking new coffee shop. It's cool. People are coming in there. It's doing well. And mm. you have an opportunity, right, to involve the community. So I was thinking, look, if I was, I, I'm 20, I, at the time I was 26. So I'm like, okay, it's not really a big deal to me. But imagine I was 16 years old, mm. born and raised in Wolfhamster. I spent all my time in Wolfhamster, right? And all these new opportunities are springing up in the area. Mm-hmm. Do you think that I'm going to have the capital to be able to, or my parents yeah, have the no, capital to send thing. me to a coffee shop school 
400 pounds for two, two days of the weekend just so I can get a job in my very own area. That so this is, is why I mean, this is why I'm saying that it is, a, it's like, okay. it's like colonialism. They set up in the area and then immediately you're excluded from it. Why? Because like what they should have done or what they could have done is say, look, we've set up in the area. We're like this trendy hip coffee shop, but we're still going to involve the people that live here. How are we going to do that? We can subsidize coffee courses for um, young people that want to learn how you to become baristas though, the, in the, the area. Thing, the thing about but they that did, though is, is, Mm. Mm. This is this this takes me back to a really interesting economic lesson, economics lecture I had about public economics, which is about when we talk about matters of financial things, everybody has a value proposition from where they come from. So some people have a belief in equity and some people have a belief in capitalism, whatever, and that defines yep. in how they see the world. Now I'm not saying by no means am I saying that's a socialistic point of view, not at all. But what I'm saying is that you don't have the same profit motive that they have. They've come in, and I, I'm, I'm not saying this but is right or wrong. I'm just saying that that this is one of my problems with with gentrification. What is what you've basically just said is that people come in, mm-hmm. and it's not just about people being priced out based on the the stuff that they have. It's also the amenities that they have access to. Yeah, often has a tendency to price people. Often has a tendency to to price the people who have been there for a long time, which even creates a larger incentive for them to move and say, "I need to move somewhere which of is a course. little bit cheaper." Mm-hmm. But my point so, is that the responsibility does not lay on the coffee shop to to do this. What I'm saying is, if you are an MP of integrity and you can see that this is happening to your area, if you value your constituents, surely there needs to be something whereby, when this kind of gentrification takes place, when regeneration of an area takes place the people that live there should have a stake in what happens because otherwise you're excluding the very people that have voted you into office. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you're the MP for Walthamstow, whatever else, surely you should be like, okay, we we welcome like the regeneration of this area. You know, we welcome new businesses coming into the area, but they need to be able to work alongside the community to improve the community. So this is what I'm saying about Gentrification, gentrification to me isn't inherently wrong. It's the way that it's done. This aggressive exclusionary practice is what I have an issue with. And there are definitely ways to 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 improve it, to refine it, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like, especially when it comes to allowing the community that are already there, the pre-existing community, to have a say in what happens. Just building crap, nice stuff, and all this stuff, and not having any input from the people that lived there and made the area what it is in the first place. I think that is wrong. And for me, that's that's a local authority thing that needs to be, that's what should happen. I think that it should be a local authority thing that says, you know, this is, we're having a regeneration of the area, but we we want to hear from the community what they need. Mm. And we want to hear, we want to have initiatives that involve the community, okay. not push these people out. I'm done now. No, I'm thinking about that. And I'm, it's weird because I've had conversations like with my brother in the past and like friends and what have you, and particularly about Brixton, given that Brixton is essentially was like one of the f- kind of strongholds of mm. the black, black Caribbean, African community and stuff mm. since what, 60s. Mm-hmm. And the idea that now in the late 90s, early 2000s, <clears throat> a lot of them are kind of got pushed back to like Fulton Heath and Croydon and they moved further and further yeah. out. Yeah. And a lot of the businesses that are in Brixton now don't represent or not patronized by the people that have lived there in the mm. last 50 years. Mm. Did we drop the ball somewhere where we should have been early on, had the mindset to 
try to establish businesses it's and this own properties. Well. I see about do these things. But well, I've talked about, 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 I talked no. about this last time. Yeah, about own, own your own masters, man. Yeah, but it's not easy. It's not easy. I know we've said this before. I've said it's not. It's not by any stretch of the imagination. It's not easy at all. Like so, it's not. It's not. I, it's easy. It's easy for me to. In hindsight, everything is perfect. But actually, when you got parents coming in, actually trying to do something for their kids and work, how many jobs and marry to even own a house can can for a lot of people look like a pipe dream. Yeah, do you know mm. what I mean? And I think that's kind of what made it harder was that a lot of our parents didn't necessarily buy property. Mm. If they did, that is that is wonderful, and they, they're you know if they're sitting. In a zone two or three, chances are you're sitting in a million quid if you hold it for, you know, 10, 15 years. But that, I don't, it, it's easy for me to say, oh yeah, the ball was dropped, but it was like, was, the op- was there even the an opportunity for a ball said, to yeah, drop? No, Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the, this is why this thing is so conflicting, for, for man. Me, it's, um, this, confused, man. This discussion isn't so much about hindsight because hindsight has twenty twenty vision, right? Mm. I'm saying right now, this is the situation with how gentrification is going on at the moment. And I think, it can be done differently. And if it is done differently, it doesn't mean that it has to be a negative thing. Mm. Right now for me, like principally gentrification is an exclusionary practice, but it doesn't need to be that way. And we can say, yeah, like maybe we are, you know, our community should have invested here and and set up businesses here, this and the other. But that's, that's, you know, that's what under the, what under the bridge, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now we actually, (laughs) That's really dumb. Now, <laughs> um, we have to have discussions now about how gentrification can right. be done differently going forward. Right. There's yeah. no point. Yeah, back. I mean, I've been sitting here quietly Sorry, watching what you've been saying. Um, rah, sound like what's his name? Mbaku just watching. But I mean, I've been I've been watching this conversation not just like here in this room, but for a while with people, and um, I feel like people miss miss the point with it a little bit where we talk about gentrification as being negative. Now, gentrification itself is a process, right? That has negative, like, impacts. So some of the impacts of gentrification, like you talked about with that coffee shop, that's negative, right? But gentrification itself, which is why where I agree with you on, doesn't need to be exclusionary mm-hmm. in how it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I... When I think about like what I enjoy about gentrification, it's the fact that when all these new businesses come into not my area, because my area has never been gentrified, but when they come into these areas, I actually enjoy them because it's like, oh, okay, cool. I actually quite like sitting in a coffee shop that is quite hipstery and quite quite open and it's like a nice space to sit in and do some work. I actually quite like going into, you know, not not Turtle Bay, but like some of these, some of these like- That's right, if you go to Total Bay, be like, it's cool, man. You know they do two for one on cocktails. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know that, someone told me. Um, <laughs> you know, but all these, places, all these places that I enjoy going to, which come as a byproduct of gentrification. Yeah. Now, um, if I want to drink like craft beer or go sit in a place which is serving like avocado on toast, Jeez. I'm not going to get to do that without gentrification realistically, right? In some in the areas that that aren't gentrified, mm-hmm. to be honest, there are, you can have pound shops in a row for days, but I'm yeah. not that bothered by them. Mm. Like I don't want to go into them. So when I see an area that's that is been gentrified, I'm like, oh cool, this is somewhere that actually attracts me as a 26 year old um, who as you know who wants to do these things. So this is where I'm like, okay, so some of the <coughs> some of the positive aspects of gentrification is is 
for me personally, I can benefit from some of the things, yeah, some, I, some of the business that come into the area. But yeah, I, I hear that. And I feel like what you're doing is kind of reinforcing what I'm saying in that. Why do these things, mm. these like kind of hallmarks of gentrification, why are they presented in such a way that it's only supposed to be for a certain kind of person? Like They're not. You, no, but the thing is- I don't think they are. But, so, all right, let me give you an example of okay. this, right? So when I used to live in Southeast London, mm. in, in um, Deptford. So Deptford to me is, a, when you said earlier that Deptford ain't being gentrified, I was like, bruv, like this, this place mm. is being, mm. it's not, it's not like changed completely, but it's being the process changed from the yeah. way. But there's this one bit of Deptford, like the old market yard little bit, you know that yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. Um, just with the arches. Mm -hmm. um, so the arches there, right? There's one bar in particular I'm thinking about. And this bar really to me showed what, how gentrification can be done in a yeah. non-exclusionary way. Because it's a sort of bar that you would not expect to be where it is for one mm -hmm. and wouldn't expect to have the clientele that it does as well, mm -hmm. right? So when I say this, I mean, it, look, it looks like a very hipster bar. It looks like a very fancy, fancy place. And mm. like you, I, to me, it looks so East London, but it's just sitting in Deptford Old Market Yard. Now the area itself, um, all the rest, you know, around it is like a mama jerk and all of this stuff that is created by us, but for other people. Mm. And this bar... Yeah is um, people that come to it are just a lot, like the most diverse group of people ever. I was sitting outside one day, just having um, a fish finger sandwich at this bar, which is what they sell. And their, their drinks and their food is cheap as well. And they literally mm. buy them from the Iceland across the street. I've seen them just go and buy things from Iceland across the street and then come don't back. Don't beat them out like this, man. <laughs> but, but the thing is, they don't sell it for that much more than, than they bought it for, because it's still enough. fairly cheap. Yeah. And I've seen like, just literally like mums from the estate next, nearby yeah, yeah. just coming and sitting Does alongside it? people who would normally be in a bar like that. Yeah, I hear you. now this to me um, i'm not saying that, that this is again one tiny illustration of a wider point yeah but i do think that that showed that yes this area is going through some changes mm. but there can be bars or cafes or air businesses that aren't exclusionary that aren't exclusionary yeah, yeah. yeah. my yeah. point about you know, you you being able to enjoy these things, even yeah. though you're you you know you wouldn't consider yourself middle class, like you said before yeah. that you're working class. Yeah. My point is, you know, working class people or people, you know, the original inhabitants of the area have a right to access these things, but mm. not just as consumers, not just as clean clientele, but also as employees. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. These opportunities okay. that come up in the area. Yeah. They should have access so to these options. So what we're talking about is ethical business and whether or not businesses have a right to be ethical. And I think that that's, that is like, when we think about gentrification being perhaps something that's on a local authority level, yeah. um, ethical business to me doesn't necessarily feed into that as neatly as we'd like it to. It could do, and it should do at like local council meetings when we're talking about sorts of new business that we want to bring to an area. I think, se yeah, I, I think several businesses don't think about Several corporate, businesses, corporate, yeah. even even large corporates. I don't. I don't think they think about corporate social. Not at all. What they're thinking about is who can be like. How can we make profit? Fundamentally, yeah, it's, it's, fundamentally it's, a profit, it's a profit. It's a profit making and business. I, I, almost, I almost think that um, some councils are even glad at the idea of gentrification. So no, of course they can they make are. more revenue by the tax that they get to charge. Yeah on uh, like council tax and the yeah. bands and stuff can be different and whatnot, you know, kind of a, a larger, more luxurious property is higher on the council tax band mm. and you pay more. And that's more revenue to the local authority, yeah. right? Because mm. it's council tax as opposed to something which is more central. So it's, you know, I think fundamentally, I think we live in a world which is completely driven by the profit motive. People have yeah. come in to live in London. Like I talk, so like, 
the, the London housing market in specific is very unique in the sense that it is treated unlike how we've lived in London for a long time. A lot of the London market, especially at the top end, because London is driven, London is a very toppy driven market. In other words, you watch when, um, you watch when Brexit comes into full play and you get a lot of people from Europe who have owned, who own houses, don't, don't necessarily live there, have to go get rid of their houses. Or people who do, who have come in and have bought massive houses have to get out. You watch our house prices are going to fall because there's a concertina mm. effect all, to the, all to the way, all the way down. And that's mm. kind of one of the problems is that like on a, on a much higher level, the way people treat London houses like an investment asset, which it is, mm. it's cash mm. in the bank, cash it's a bank. carry trade for them. They can put it in here. The rental yields are so high. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we're talk- in some cases, like 10, 15, 20% uh, rental yields. Those are, those are very high. Mm. You're getting that. And it's like, psh, I'm just sitting on the cash. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm sitting on this money. And it's, yeah. that's and my not, bank account. People you know are not seeing I mean? the stories of the people who are affected yeah. by, by these yeah. things. So, so a lot of people, a house in London is very simply something on an Excel spreadsheet. And the problem with uh, uh, a lot of these places, not just London, but like big capital cities, is that this is what is is going on. And people don't consider what the effect at the top does to things at the very bottom. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing at the very bottom is that people are being um, priced out because, as you said, amenities become more expensive. So people say, actually, if I'm in London, let me go move out to Essex. Let me go move out to mm. um, Croydon and other such places and let me commute in. And they don't think about the other things about like how expensive train fares would be because they don't they don't want to. They think the mortgage or the rent will be cheaper. Mm. But they think these things. So it's it's that's that's I know it sounds like a bit of a fairy answer, but that's kind of no, what's it's a good answer. You know I mean, yeah. so it, it made me think of a, a next question then. So can gentrification like like this like the type that we're seeing in London, can it kill a city? Because, you know, let's say that, you know, we have all these people that, like you said, they have these properties in London and it, to them it's just a sell on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, these people probably don't occupy the properties for much of the year. Um, and what you're seeing in all of these areas that are being gentrified is like like a kind of, it's becoming, London is becoming kind of sterile. Like everything just kind of looks the same. Like yeah. London is losing its character. So I put, so? that's what so? some people say. I think really? so. When I, I, came, even, so when when I came back. Say, I don't know. I think London's changing its character and that's interesting. That's cool. And I think for forever, and this is my other thing about gentrification is that because it's a process, mm. I do believe that forever we have been being gentrified. Like forever there has been this process mm. of constant change and constant regeneration. Whereas like now all we're seeing is like what Tom was talking about, an increased rate at which that's happening with an increased number of people. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think that this city was set up to house that many people. And that's why we're getting all these satellite cities and people yeah. wanting to live in Croydon. That's, that's why um, you had, I mean, originally like one of, one of the interesting things is, um, Funny enough, every every time we, we three of us we went to Cambridge yesterday um, to talk to a bunch of um, students. Shout out uh, Target Ox- Oxbridge, yeah. and um, ooh, ooh. on the on the way up, on the way up on the train, um, we were having a conversation about trains yesterday, as I would do in any opportunity. But um, th- th- <laughs> for anyone on, that doesn't know, up, Tom just loves trains. On, no, on, we definitely on, said this on, already. On the way up, yeah. on, on the way up um, to Cambridge is a place called Letchworth Garden City. And that was created in the 60s, the concept of a garden city, the concept of mm. somewhere which was uh, like an outlay where people could go. And so this is one of the problems is that London was seemed to be very congested even back then. Can mm. you imagine? Mm. So people sent uh, uh, people, I think, I don't know if it was central or local government sent people out to Electric Garden City to go and live, to go and ease the, the amount of congestion mm. out of London. And we've kind of seen it that this is why you have a lot of sort of 
large estates in sort of the fringes of London and not, I'm, so think about someone like a Barking and Dagden. There are loads of council estates there, or even like a mm. Brixton. There are kind of loads mm. of, because Brixton is still a bit further out from the city, do you know what I mean? So mm. this is what I mean by the fringe slash periphery. You got you have these kind of massive council estates to kind of just ease the congestion in the center, I guess. And we're seeing this, but we, as the way I see it is while people graduate out of uni and stuff like that, they're always good. Most of the time they want, they're gonna wanna come to London. While this whole thing, the Brexit isn't sorted out, for example, people from Europe are still gonna wanna come to London for the time being until it's not, you know, decided what's gonna happen there. And you're gonna get, so all these people from the UK that wanna come to London, from Europe that wanna come into London, and it's this kind of, every single year you get the amount of people that wanna come into London. And the people, you know, when they, they come in, they think, oh, let me, as I said earlier, let me, let me find a place that is kind of seen to be undervalued in price or whatever. Mm. It's like the amount of people that live in Clapham. I always laugh at that example. How Clapham has completely changed as an area, mm. completely changed. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Clapham. But I, I didn't want to go to Clapham years ago. Bro. And now it's like, oh, Inferno's this wonderful club. Da, 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 da. It's just- I still haven't been, you know. I've not been, but I've heard about the sticky bloody floors. No, I've never, I don't think I've ever really gotten off the train at Clapham. You ever been to Clapham? No, I don't think I ever have. Never been to Clapham? The only time I've, like, I I can see it in my mind's eye just because of the the riots, innit? During the riots, mm. there was a lot going on there. But I've There's a lot going on in Clapham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a couple buildings, I think, got burnt down. Not burnt. No, I burned down in Croydon. Croydon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, but there was there was madness <laughs> happening in Clapham as well. Cause that's, For real. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. Different story. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but no, your question mm. is, is it killing cities? Can it kill a city? As in the culture of the city. Yeah. Like it's the fact. And the, because yeah. the thing is, a lot of what attracts people to London, like it's, you're talking about Brexit now. Mm. Once Brexit comes into full effect, a lot of, you know, big companies are going to leave London. They're going to go elsewhere. But that's you reckon so? That's reckon so? something different though. But no, no, but I'm saying with that, and people go with that, what what London has left is obviously not so much it being a financial, I don't know if London will cease being a financial center, but it will be affected by it. But I'm saying the other things that draw people to London is like, is, you know, what like London's culture. I think no? from, from people that from, that have moved or lived in London in the past, even like outsiders, Americans, whatever, a lot of them already said like, from the 90s and what London is like now is like night and day. It, the, the culture's already kind of died. It come very, more, a lot more sterile than it mm. was back in the for, day. For, even when I came back from abroad, even when I came back from abroad, I noticed a massive difference. I noticed yeah. everything was a lot cleaner and a lot shinier and a lot more like, see how, but one, it was dead. It was really- One thing that I always laugh about is like, if you listen to the, like the early days of Graham, people talk about certain places, mm-hmm. Ali Pali, yeah. Stratford Rex, yeah. Palace Pavilion, all of these places, yeah. they don't exist anymore. For example, yeah. Stratford Rex is now a place where you can go and jump up and down um, on like some trampolines, like you can dunk on trampolines. I'm thinking, bro, this was the hallowed Stratford Rex. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you uh, know, so are so we losing these these you know these cult- cultural definitely. hallmarks, icons? Are we losing these places? Even like, um, is Hammersmith Apollo still around? Yeah, it's still yeah. around. Hackney Apollo, still, but like these but places, surely we just surely like new ones are created. New ones are created, right? And my point being that gentrification is a process of change and. We've always experienced a process of change. These mm. these build these things weren't around forever, and yeah. culture changes yeah. constantly. And, yeah. and if if a city is just going to be, if you talk about is it losing its culture? Well, no, because if the culture is changing, then it's just yeah. Getting, but is is gentrify a culture as rich as the culture that preexisted? That's the thing. That's a funny one to solve because is when it, you think about like mm. the the whole discussion of whether or not we're taking away 
if whether the coach is being lost through gentrification. Mm. That kind of reminds me about <laughs> when I think about all the white people that have been in the country yeah. for mad years and thinking, all right, all these, yeah. all these black Taking people, all these yeah. Asians yeah. coming around yeah. and fair enough. Just, I mean, yeah. fair when enough. You talk because what we're my saying, Britain's oh, not what? my Britain no more. All them type fair, of things, like true. Like what, what we saying that we're losing, we're losing our boss man fried chicken shops. But we're, we're but they like, lost their like we're losing mass shops and you know fish and chips but what, shops. But what are we getting in replacement of these these? These establishments, we're getting sourdough bakeries, coffee shops, like these things aren't. You said that you like them, so they're cool, but they're not really. They're not culturally reflective of what, what London is. Do you see what I'm man. saying? No, it's not, like, no you know this, this makes me think. What of part of London? Yeah. Though, isn't ah, it? Like, this makes no, me think. Of no, no, no. This, 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 this obsession with like these are trends. These are things that have come in recently. No, no. You know what? This, this reminds me of something. What you just said was so pertinent because um, an example is um, West Ham Football Club. Um, bear with me, there's, there's there's a point here, right? West Ham Football Club used to be in Upton Park and has been in Upton Park for a very, very long time. Yeah. And is now in, in Stratford. It's now in the kind of the, the newest part of Stratford, in the Olympic, in the Olympic Village. Yeah. Um the Upton Park has been knocked down for a bunch of flats. The point being is that around the old Upton Park, you had the bowling pub and you had loads of other kind of places where you can eat pie and mash and other such things, mm. kind of what people like. And if you say I want I want two and two, they'll give you some nice pie and mash. And maybe if you ask for something else, they give you some liquor as well. Now, when, and and so you went into the old Upton Park, you got pie and mash, you got a uh, beer, you got whatever you wanted, that kind of old, old kind of food. You, you go in, that, you yeah. go into the new Olympic village, can't get any pie and mash, or you can get hot, hot dogs, dogs um, candy floss, uh, all such things. Things have changed America, and the, the culture has mm. changed. Yeah. The culture but, is very, you know, the but has that been replaced by a gen, like that culture is very, it's like, that's like globalized culture. Like yes. the, the same coffee shops and sourdough bakeries, you will see that in San Francisco. You'll see that in New York. There isn't that, that much of a difference now between. But is like, that the the thought of gentrification? Or is that the thought of it, just global? I'm not saying it's a thought, but it's symptomatic. It's part of this gentrifying process that we're talking about, which is why I'm saying that gentr gentrification can be done in such a way that it doesn't er erode away or erase culture that has already been there. Yeah, so we could mm -hmm. celebrate why, the culture. Why is that culture outdated? I don't understand. Like, why is, why is Brixton being, you know, like a, a hub for the West Indian community in London? Why is that suddenly now outdated and now we need coffee shops and sourdough bakeries? Do you see what I'm mm -hmm. saying? That regeneration can come to the area and also uplift and benefit those established so businesses. What, what I've observed is that um, these, the process of gentrification gets very well documented by art art and artists in mm -hmm. the area, right? Who will notice the changes that happen in their area and create an exhibition about, or a photo, mm. whatever that's called about, and display all these images around it. Be like, this is how it's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. And I've always seen it as almost the role of the artist to document the, the changes of gentrification and use that to challenge like authority on okay now how do we bring this culture back because if like culture is created by the people right mm. we're celebrated by the artist and it's the artist that normally highlights that culture to the masses jeez, jeez. it's got bars, bars. Mm -hmm. bars mm -hmm. i like that bro. that was nice you know like <laughs> you practiced that no you practiced that in the morning, flows, in, in yeah. the morning. Yeah, yes. like <laughs> but no like what i'm what my point is is that um you know like who Who's at, who's at fault here? We're saying authorities who allowed this to happen, the business for not being ethical. I'm not here to point fingers and saying this person's at fault and that person's at fault. But I think the way that gentrification is done, we need to we need to change the, the discussion that surrounds it and yeah. and 
be a lot more conscientious Perhaps. when this happens. Who's, but who's creating that change? Yeah, I was going to say. Like, what's coming first? Because sorry, Tom. Like, no, no, please. Just, go what's ahead, like? Go. What's actually coming first? Is it the people that are moving into these areas who are then dictating, based on their purchasing power, the types of things that they want, and just businesses and people that are that have a capitalist mindset saying, okay, cool. There's the the demographic within this area is changing. Mm. People that are moving here like coffee shops. They like these different type of things, and therefore are creating businesses to cater for them mm-hmm. or is it they're creating these these establishments and then people say no oh, that's a cool place i want to live let me move there now like people that aren't originally from the area so you, the, the problem here is that the people that have purchasing power in these areas are the, are the who are going to you know create the the culture and what establishments are going to be mm-hmm. dominant in these areas mm-hmm. so it's more of an economic issue really because the people that yeah. have been established and been here we're still going to have like our little, yeah. the takeaway, the, the Caribbean shop, the this and that. Mm. But because we don't have the person, person power yeah. to demand. Yeah. yeah. So we're just going to see more of these things because yeah. they meet the need of like- While you have a certain kind of- Because prior, sorry, just I'm to not finish sure Because prior to those points, um, those those um people coming and building these type of businesses, mm. a lot of these high streets were bookies and- chicken shops and stuff that aren't really healthy and good for the community, mm. let's be honest. But why are those why are those businesses allowed to be there? Do you see what I mean? Like I feel like an area will be neglected and allowed to become to to degenerate in such a way that it's like, yeah, this area's dead. Like there's this on, on the high street it's just bookies and chicken shops and whatever else. We need to change it. We need to get this these people out. My point I, is, is, I don't think it's about. I don't think anyone looks and goes. We need to get these people out. That yeah. definitely I, happens. I am that one hundred. I'm, I'm not entirely. You know what? I'm, I'm not entirely what I think sure. About, when, I'm gonna like. I yeah. think I'm gonna say what you're. I was thinking. gonna say. I'm not entirely sure. It's a case of let's get people out. I don't think. Mm. No, no, no. I think it's about where think, land is I cheapest. I think people do go out based on being. I think what Quaker said. It's an economic thing. I think people yeah. do get priced out and go out. But I don't think it's a case of let's get people out. I think it's a case of let's okay, think, let's. It's it's a it's really I read something interesting in game theory years ago about the oh, idea of criti- critical so mass deep. about the idea of critical mass. So the idea is, and perhaps you you might actually be right, but I don't necessarily think it is is that it's the idea of critical mass. It's the idea of okay, if there's a road and they, this this book mentions it, uh, I forgot the name of it, but anyway, this book talks about let's say there's a bunch of um, it's just white people on a road. The one day you bring in one black person, two black people three black people, four black people, five, so on, so on, so on. There is a point in time where other people, the white people who lived on the road, are going to say, right, there are enough black people here that I'm going to leave. It's the tipping point. Yeah, white and, flight. Or, or black flight or wherever it was. No, but, but it's, it's oh. the, I feel like what you're describing here is white flight. And the difference between white flight and what we're seeing with gentrification is that people decide to move based on their prejudices. Yeah. No, no, but, but yeah, no, this, this, I wasn't talking about, this is, I wasn't talking about the, the racial issue. I'm just, this is what the example gave, but that's true. There is an element there, but I, I honestly think it's a tipping point thing. It's people saying, okay, this person, this, this person who works in the city has more purchase power has come in. It happens again and again and again and again. These amenities are being set up for him or her, which is different to me. I'm going to leave. Other people have the same opinion and leave. So it's people mm. coming in, people saying, I need to go. Yeah. But, yeah, but the thing is, this this happens way after people make a decision that they want to get undesirables out of an area. And when I say this, I'm asking you guys to think laterally because think about the language that is used to describe poor black minority ethnic communities. 
we are talked about in such a way that our communities are what we do what we participate in is low culture when we when we talk about crime and degradation in in like let's say for example the black community with the knife crime and the shootings that we're seeing the way that we are discussed it's as if it's like a pathological thing that there's something inherently wrong with our communities that people need to go in and fix us so the point is the point i'm trying to make is nobody is inherently you know degenerative nobody no community is inherently degenerative but the communities obviously grow and prosper based on how they are and um, how they are treated and how they are maintained mm. so if you are if if you're a local authority and you know that the um the, your local community are made up of people from poorer backgrounds and you're allowing betting shops to be just put like we know we know this this analogy exists already like they talk about in the united states you know why in the hood is like liquor stores on every single corner there's a reason why this is it's because basically there's no right now they're like you know the people in this area they don't deserve much we won't we won't put a library in there we won't put a performing arts center in there we won't we won't have these things publicly funded for these people because they don't deserve it but when people from you know white middle class backgrounds come in suddenly oh like let's build this center now let's build let's build all these all these import let's build a bmx um park do you see what i'm saying where you could have benefited from that as a young black kid so it's like suddenly it's like oh these people deserve it more than the people that live there why because they're not poor or they're not black minority ethnic do you see what i'm saying mm. Hey. Mm. i definitely hear that man. areas are deliberately allowed to become degenerated so that they have an excuse to now clean up the area do you see what i mean like the police in like in Tottenham, like I know what's gonna happen. They're allowing seven sisters right now, cause in my area, like <clears throat> you'll see the drug dealers in my area and they're just they're chilling, man. They're living like like you can see them on the road and they're just flagrant. And the thing is, do you think that would be allowed to happen once that area starts to be become properly gentrified? That you have just drug drug dealers chilling on the corner. I'm not saying that there's surely that's a good that's <clears throat> a good thing though. But the thing then, is, what, what I'm saying is, is the police are turning a blind eye to it now. Because why? They want to say, look, we need to get these people out of the area. They're ruining the area. Whereas what's ruining the area is that it's not been given the same attention that a middle class area would be given. So they allow the area to become run down, degenerated, crime, crime goes up, whatever, so that they say, look, we need to get these people out and have this higher culture come in. We need to gentrify the area. Because the way that the way that people talk about gentrification is always about this thing of inherently improving the area. The people that move into the area when it's gentrified, these people have drug habits as well. Don't think that these people don't have drug habits. Don't think that these people are not funding drug dealers in the area. This is what I'm saying. But it's because they come from a white middle class, norm normally a white middle class background. We still haven't talked about us being potentially gentrifiers, but they normally come from a middle class background. And because they have money, suddenly they're inherently better. Like mm. Grenfell is a very good example. Do you think if Grenfell happened in like, um, you know, a luxury apartment block, that we would be seeing what's happening now with yeah, Grenfell, where half so. the people, most of the people haven't even been rehoused. Come on, like we know that yeah. people mm. talk about these people as if they are, you know, below. Um, yeah, do, you know, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So of course they talk about getting people out. I mean, I've seen it myself. Like the way that um, when my parents were setting up the business in Stratford, they did not want to have a Caribbean restaurant in that area. 
They were fighting so hard. We had to bid two or three times before we could have the unit. We won the bid three times to the people, I guess the decision makers that would have would have allowed us to have the unit in Stratford. But they wanted a blue chip company in 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 the area. Okay, fine. Like you said, these bigger companies probably bring in more money. But the thing is, when we set up and we were doing well, the amount of times that they were trying to um, um smear us, saying that, you know, um, the restaurant is a drugs, um, it's a it's a front for a drugs operation, blah, blah, blah. Like we had police raid the raid the oh, restaurant. Do no, you know what I'm saying? They people definitely look at black minority ethnic communities, poorer communities, and say, look, we need to get them out because we need better people in. I no, I, I fundamentally no, believe I'm, that. I'm, 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 I am with that. I am with that. I'm with that. I'm just it's not I do I do think, I think it's what you said. I think it sometimes can be a, a, a much more subtle approach in the language which is used. And often you see this in the American press a lot. When they're talking about black communities, they'll use certain words to describe that and you'll know exactly what they're talking about. Um, and and it's like, for example, and and it's like whenever whenever you read certain uh, um, uh, newspapers, it's like probably much all over, they talk about urban areas in London. We know what they're talking about. We're talking yeah. about areas that, is a, and there's a heavy black influence there or something like that, exactly. you know? How can um, there be an urban area in London, which is it's itself- Because like, actually urban and yeah, rural, London yeah. isn't urban, area, like geographically, yeah. it is an urban area yeah. in comparison to the country, which is rural. Yeah. So yeah. We, it, that's kind of one of the- the, the Euphemisms, I guess. Yeah, it, thank you. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. It was it was a, a euphemism that is used a lot. And yeah, I think that, um, I don't know, man. Guys, I, I don't, should we wrap it up here? Yeah. No, no, I don't yeah. know if you've come to any sort of consensus. I've just been very no, passionate. There's no need consensus. to come to a consensus, yeah. and I don't there's think no there ever will be. It's on just the, a discussion, isn't it? Yeah. Because I honestly, I think, like, even throughout this, listening to you guys' views, I think we've kind of gone back and forth on a few things. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't think that there is. This is one of those conversations where, it, because we're talking about a process, we could talk about it forever. Because yeah. there's so many different examples of that process, mm. Mm. and we're talking about it. It sounds like literally right now, right here in London, for mm. what we know about the last 20 years of our lives, mm. without really thinking, and I don't think we've gone into any history of gentrification in even the areas that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've touched on like barely anything to do with the topic, to be <laughs> Can honest. Can I just ask you though, um, what is your position on the four of us in the room being seen as gentrifiers as well? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Out. <laughs> Hmm? How? Because I'm saying no. I'm, look, put it this way: yeah. Mm. If I buy, a, okay. If I buy a flat, I live in E15. I was, I was, I was, I was born in Plasto, but you know, Stratford is only a postcode away. So I was born and raised in E uh, E15. If I buy a house in E20, which is Westfield, the yeah. other side of Stratford, a nice bit. Of Stratford. Does that make me a gentrifier? Well, yeah. And I don't want to get into because it's going to be a whole nother debate, right? But my 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 reason that I like so strongly said absolutely to that mm. is because why is it that we always talk about gentrification in a negative way and never think about young middle class black people can be gentrifiers too? Because if they're going to be the ones mm. who are going to ultimately fund the businesses that we were talking about, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. who are in these areas, mm. why are yeah. they not gentrifiers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I think for me, when I understand when I the way that I digest this question is. For me, gentrification, as we understand it right now, is a negative thing. So obviously I'm gonna be like, no, I'm not a gentrifier. Um, I hear what you're saying and I agree in the way that you've understand understood gentrification. I think the reason why I think it is slightly different for us, and it's basically what you were saying, that we are the people that will, you know, 
we will be the, the, the clientele going into these shops that my point is the reason that we are slightly different when it comes to the, the topic of gentrification in this kind of like kind of colonial sense, like, you know, claiming an area that's belonged to previous communities. Cause I know that if I go, if I, me moving into seven sisters now, I've, I've lived in seven sisters since August, I will still go to these, these West Indian takeaways. I will still go to the, the local Jamaican barbershop. Like these are places that I will frequent because that is what I know. That's what I'm used to. Mm. Whereas the people, the white people that move in, because the white people that I'm seeing that are moving into the area, I watch what they do. They don't go into these shops. They don't, they don't. And they don't even talk to the people. This is the thing. And yeah. okay, maybe you'll say, well, there's no reason for them to go into a Jamaican barbershop. Or there's no reason for them to go into <laughs> a West Indian just for the, for the excellent sculpting. But the point yes. I'm trying to make is <laughs> the way that we as, as, as black gentrifiers would um, interact with the area is completely different to the way that it's done. Also, the way I see because it's it's it, the way that they do it is just completely no, and, like and, and the way exclusionary. See, the way I see gentrification, the way I've always seen gentrification is someone moving from an area distinctly different to where they are from into somewhere completely different, and it's a completely different environment. If I happen to stay in a part of East London which is close to me, I've always been there. I know the place like the back of my hand, mm. and I've seen it change. Which is while yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I can see. I'm still involved in the regeneration of the community because of my presence still being there. But it would have been like, I've been there since I was born, for example. Mm. So I, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I'm not actually, I've always contributed to the, the re, quote, regeneration, unquote, of the area. That's why I see it a little bit differently. Mm. That's assuming I stay. If I move somewhere else or move to another city, then I guess that does make me uh, someone who's going in for the gentrification, I guess. But I feel like even then your interact, like let's say you move into like um, the West Indian part of Birmingham. I can't remember what it's called, but like, let's say you move there, your interaction with the area will be different to someone that's moved there that has nothing to do with the community that, that, that lived there. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. You're mm. likely to mm. go into like, I don't know, the Jamaican bakery and buy some hard dough bread or whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You will interact differently with the okay. area. And what I have an issue with is, this this yeah. exclusionary and this thing. is what i wanted to like sort of come back to and then let kweku wrap it up but i just think that what it sounds like we're saying is ultimately gentrification can be a good thing if it is non-exclusionary mm -hmm. but so far from, from the little that we've seen in london like specifically in the last few years of our lives mm. it seems to be an aggressive and exclusionary force i wouldn't necessarily necessarily say aggressive in the literal sense but it's very like, for me, I see it as like neo-colonialism. Like I see it like a claiming of an area. And I see that, you know, like, you know how they have the US flag on the moon. I see like that sourdough bakery as being that flag. Or it's like, we're claiming this or area now. studio in California. Yeah, okay. Well, that's another <laughs> debate. Flat, and there's a flat, earth, <laughs> a flat earth debate as well. But I see oh, that as man. the first okay. flag of gentrification. As soon as you see I that sourdough bakery. I want to talk about this after the podcast. Is yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely it's, it's a proper contentious it's debate finished. to have. It's, it's, it's We're going to chat about this after. If we come to, before, with a conclusion for it or consensus amongst us. Um, one thing that's just funny, like what you were just saying about um, them putting like a stamp or like a, a new flag and claiming the area. Growing up, when I'd say to my uh, school friends, whatever, not really my friends, but people I went to school with that grew up in middle class, kind of sorry and whatever. Whenever I mentioned from Peckham, like, oh yeah, that's kind of rough. Like, da, 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 da. like they have a, 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 an impression on the area based mm -hmm. on what, how it was depicted in the media and whatever. Mm. And now a lot of these guys are the people that now live in these areas yeah. when they want to when they get, end up getting jobs in the city. Yeah. I live in Peckham. 
And so you, uh, then, then you say, do you know Hollow Man? What? But I've had a lot of colleagues yeah. that have come oh from like the countryside and what have you. Yeah. Move to Brixton and move yeah. to yeah. Uh, Tooting and Clapham and all these different They're areas. They're always into That's the reverse. It makes teaching come from countryside. That's the reverse OT trade. Oh my God. Yeah, for real. So it's very bad. But I mean, I think one thing I remember from when I was um, studying, I, had, I did a paper called The Political Economy of Capitalism. And mm-hmm. Wish I did um, that paper. It was such a sick paper, man. But um, there was a professor called Lawrence King. And one thing he said like early on was, um, when you're trying to evaluate any situation, any kind of political um, action or you know, anything between kind of like states, what you need to remember is, all the things you need to consider is who wins and who loses in the situation. And I think this is exact, the exact kind of thing that you come to when you think about justification is like, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And That's unfortunately, it's the people with the purchasing power <laughs> that are going to be the winners. Um, and the losers, unfortunately, tends to be the people that are already kind of economically so disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that's kind of the, the reality of every situation. And what we need to be doing or what, I don't know who the, like, who the responsibility, responsibility really rides with, but is um, we need to ensure that those that lose or those that will typically lose in a situation have some type of safety net or some type of, you know, in a way in which they can like not be so disenfranchised from the change. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. So yeah, you know this makes me just uh, something quick. This makes me think of something that the the the, the locks one of their, their most famous tunes. It's called Money, Power, Respect. And Lil Kim in the intro says, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the respect, mm-hmm. and that pertains to this zero sum game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winners are those who have the money, who have got the power and the respect. In my eyes, of the majority, right, and the losers are who yeah. don't have as money, as much money, therefore less power, therefore less respect. Mm-hmm. Shout out the locks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Cool, thank you guys. So yeah, that was an interesting topic. Uh, let us know what you think. Gentrification is obviously a very hmm. hot topic. I'm sweating, man. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I think it's quite warm in here as well. But, <laughs> but yeah, tweet us, you, tweet us your thoughts. Um, <laughs> and yeah, keep the conversation going online as well. Thank you, guys. Bye. Love you.